The big question that every writer has is, how can I sell more books? Or if they're not published yet, it's how can I write books that sell? But when writers approach selling books from a numbers perspective, they're missing out on the amazing relationships they could be building with readers through their stories. It's impossible to write books that resonate with readers when you're writing for money, because money can't read. But shouldn't writers be able to make a living with their stories? Well, when you connect with human souls, readers turn into fans and friends, and that's when consistent income begins. That and so much more. But how do writers connect with readers? That is the question this podcast aims to answer. My name is Kristen Spencer, and this is the Expensive Words Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Expensive Words Podcast and also to the Literary Symmetry IGTV uh, channel. Today we are going to be working on... Story Boot Camp, Episode 7, and I'm actually going to read to you the beginning of my fictional story. And if you remember, we've been working through um, a autobiographical short story to get to the point where we can understand how to infuse our short story, our fictional short story, with emotions based on real feelings that we've felt things that have happened to us in real life so that we can get all those feels and have them be realistic for the reader. And so today, uh, in the, <laughs> I'm going to read you part of the story, but if you remember in the last episode, I was like, what do you do when you're like planning this story and all of a sudden you realize that you're inspired by true life events and you decide that you're going to change things. And so that's what I did, right? Because I was originally writing an autobiographical uh, incident, a short story based on a trip that I took with my family to Paris. And I thought I would use Paris as the backdrop for my fictional story. But then I went on a quarantine moon 15 years late uh, with my husband and we drove to Nashville, which was pretty deserted. And um, I got really inspired by the different things there. Uh, and so I decided that I wanted to set my story in Nashville. But I kept the idea of writing about unrequited love. And I came up with a college-aged character who she's 20 years old. You're going to meet her today. And this is how I was able to um, get inspired to write this short story that I'm going to send out to my list that I'm probably going to publish on Medium, which I promised I would do. So I'm definitely going to do it. I'm not going to chicken out. Um, and so this story is titled Alone at, uh, Alone at Christmas in Nashville. And this is part one. All right. So are you ready? I want you to be listening for details, sensory details that cause emotion, right? That's what we want. I want you to be listening for telling, uh, I mean, showing, not telling, there should be no telling in this. And I want you to be listening for relatability in the main character because that's why we're going through all this, right? To be able to write stories where the main characters are relatable. So let's dive in uh, to Alone at Christmas in Nashville, part number one. Joelle looked down at her phone. Their words were there and she couldn't wish them away. She clamped her eyes shut, willing the tears not to escape and run down her face. I've been that stupid girl, the one I always made fun of in high school, the one I promised I would never become. 
And now, because she had told her parents not to worry about her, she was going to be alone on Christmas for the first time ever. Oh, so sad. The sinking feeling in her stomach twisted into nausea as she tried to think of a good reason to call her dad and beg him to drive out and get her. Though she hadn't bothered to check yet, she knew a flight home would be too expensive at this point. Unlocking the phone, Joelle looked down at the message again. Plans changed. Had to leave. Merry Christmas, Joelle. He hadn't even written anything like, see you when I get back, which probably meant his plans involved another girl. She had just been a backup, a placeholder. The simple and horrible truth was that Ethan didn't like her. He probably never would. Inside of her chest, shame blossomed and spread throughout her body, as if each pump of her heart pushed the knowledge of her difficult reality into her brain. She had done this to herself. When her roommate, Christy, had told her just to forget Ethan and try to focus on learning and having fun, Joelle hadn't listened. It wasn't as if she could choose whether she It wasn't as if she could choose whether her eyes widened and her heart raced any time the six foot three inch water polo player with curly dark brown hair and one jovial dimple appeared before her. And as if having that homegrown look hadn't been bad enough, he also helped students in the writing studio, Vanderbilt's student writing center, where she volunteered. That had sent her over the top because he wasn't just gorgeous, he was also smart and kind. Her heart beat slowed under the weight of her crush on Ethan Drum, who she had first noticed all the way back in freshman year. In fact, it had been hard to nail down exactly which emotions were related to Ethan lately, and which were related to knowing that this year was her last year at Vanderbilt University. If she was lovesick, that would account for the ulcer she imagined chewing at her insides, but the knowledge that her student loans would soon require monthly payments could also be to blame. Right now, though, she was alone in Nashville for Christmas. Joelle could have gone home. She could have gone to Christie's house. There was a standing invitation ever since they had been roomed together sophomore year. Christy was the physical opposite to Joelle. She was tall with dark brown skin and braids down to the middle of her back, while Joelle would describe herself as pale and small, which was also how she felt most of the time, invisible. Sure, Christy could be shy, but she was also confident, and she hadn't wasted four years pining after a guy that didn't know she was alive. Joelle wished she could be more like her roommate, and that was why she had planned to finally get Ethan Drum to understand that she existed in the same space that he did. That they breathed the same molecules of oxygen and nitrogen, and they both loved helping people write better. Freshman year, she had overheard Ethan explain to one of the hundreds of girls that flocked to him in the writing center that his mother was an editor. He had never said what kind, though, which made Joelle even more curious. Every time she found out something new about him, it seemed like she was getting a clearer picture of why he was the one. She had even written Joelle Drum in her physics notebook earlier in the year. Pathetic? Yes. Unavoidable? Also yes. At least she had left out the high school style, obligatory heart that she would have drawn around the fictional name change several years before. Her stomach gargled, reminding her that she hadn't eaten anything because she was supposed to go out with Ethan and his roommate for dinner. She felt sick, but eating usually helped. Joelle reached down again and looked at her phone. 
Dark blue nail polish reflected light off her nails as she thumbed in her passcode. Her favorite affordable hot chicken place had opened an hour ago, but she double-checked the hours on Facebook just in case. There wasn't a point in waiting to eat now. She could have hot chicken for lunch and then treat herself to ramen for dinner. She wished she could order a cocktail there, but for a few, not for a few more months. It felt ridiculous to be able to vote and fall into one-sided love, but not be able to drink alcohol. It also felt cruel of the universe to put her in this sort of situation without some sort of spirited relief. Uh, I, I didn't mention that the ramen place is located in a bar, so I would go back and add that in, which is based on a real place that you can go get delicious ramen and booze at the same time if you want in Nashville. Okay, back to the story. She opened the weather app and grabbed a sweater and scarf in response to put under her puffy bomber coat. Her phone vibrated as she went to put it into her purse. Christy, hey, are you getting ready for your big date? I can't believe you finally asked out Ethan. Way to take initiative, girl. Ugh, Joelle couldn't avoid telling Christy until later how... Oh, sorry. Ugh, Joelle couldn't avoid telling Christy until later, now that she had messaged. The next action Christy would take would be to call, and if Joelle shut off her phone, she would open up her laptop to a bombardment of emails from her roomie. So I might change that uh, Joelle couldn't avoid telling Christy until until later, now that she had messaged, because the she is ambiguous. It could be referring to Christy, or it could be referring to Joelle. So I would clarify that, because that's what we consider vague language, and vague language is confusing for readers. And we don't want to confuse readers, because confused readers stop reading. That's right. Uh, He canceled, she typed. So much for thinking he could ever like me back. Another pling sounded as a new message came in. What a loser! He ditched you on Christmas Eve! I don't care how nice you say he is. He's an arrogant jackass. Want me to come pick you up? Joelle sighed sighed while simultaneously smacking her forehead with her phone-free hand. Of course Christy would offer to drive two hours there and back to make sure her roommate wasn't alone on Christmas Eve. Just like if she called her mom and dad and told them what had happened, they would have driven eight hours to pick her up and ruin all of their Sans Joel Christmas plans. But she couldn't ask them to do that, no matter how much she really wanted to. She texted Christy back and said she was fine, and Hot Chicken was going to cheer her up. She thought of some lie she could tell Christy to convince her roommate that she had backup plans, but Christy would know she was lying. Instead, she typed in all caps, and don't think about kidnapping me. Want to be alone. So you can hear there's a little bit of confusion there in the Christy and Joelle back and forth area. So I would just uh, go back and tighten that up. And I would also, like I said, add that the ramen place is in a bar. But you can tell, like, Joelle is sad, right? That's <laughs> that's the thing you want to get from this is that Joelle's sad. She's made a mistake. She's hung all her hopes and dreams on a stranger. And if you've never done that, I applaud you. But I definitely have, unfortunately, more than once. And so I wanted to write about what that would be like as a college student now. And, of course, you have to realize that there are not going to be very many stories set in 2020 because 2020 has been insane. Nothing's been normal. And if you want to write a normal story, you kind of have to go back or go uh presumptuously forward into time. If you're wondering about writing 
a contemporary fiction piece right now and you don't want to have to deal with COVID, what I would say is go back in time to 2018. That's what I'm that's where I'm placing this story. I'm assuming this is happening in 2018. Because the truth is, if you try to presumptuously jump forward to a period in time where you think that craziness is not looming, that you don't have any guarantees, we have no idea what's going to happen. The, you know, we just had someone take the first vaccine for COVID-19 today, and we just don't know how this whole thing's going to play out. So if you do write that like 2021 was completely normal and then it's not normal, you might have people be irritated with you. So that's why I'm saying like, go back 2016, 2018. Uh, also, it's easier to go back when you're writing contemporary, sorry, when you're writing contemporary fiction because... Um, you have a calendar to work from. I mean, you can also work into the future, but you actually have, like, real weather, real events. It's just easier. There's less uh, <laughs> There's less chance of some kind of accidental disaster happening where you write something one way and it just doesn't go that way at all, and people are like, what? Is this, like, a counter-universe? You don't—so just in the name of not confusing your reader, if you're going to write contemporary fiction, I would just— uh, either write it like real, real, real with uh, COVID happening right now or just go back a few years because that's what I'm going to do. And you're going to notice that a lot of authors do that. Like there's going to be a big black hole of no normal book set in 2020. And then there's going to be a lot of retrospective stuff, which I feel like people are writing but kind of hoarding right now. Uh, I've also hoarded some things about 2020. I wrote a song about what, how crazy it's been. And I'm definitely probably never going to share that with anyone else ever. It's just for me. Um, so, yeah, that's that's the the next thing I want you to do is take the emotions. Remember, you've been thinking about your story for a while. So I want you to write a thousand words leading into your story. And you need to make the action happen right away. And you need to think of a really short thing to happen in your story, because remember, this is a short story. You can't establish a full-on character arc. You can't have a full-on plot. For me, I basically have uh, three tiny plots, plot points in my story. The first one is that Joelle gets stood up for a date with the guy she's in love with for Christmas Eve. So the next thing I'm not going to tell you because you're going to learn about it, and I definitely know the end, and I want you to know the end of your story too. So before you even start writing, write down the three plot points the mini plot points that you're going to have, the um, inciting incident, which uh, is going to have your character starting off one way, then a tiny little change, uh, you have like the middle point where you're reminding the reader why they're connecting with the protagonist and what's at stake, and then the end. So, and just remember, you have to keep things really like kind of shallow, like micro changes, because short stories of this length of 3,000 words, you cannot fit a ton of things in. You know, of course, you can write whatever length story you, you like, but for this boot camp, I'm recommending 3,000 to 5,000. I might end up with 5,000. We'll see, but I think I'm going to end in more in the 3,000 range. So uh, that is 
today's episode. And in the next episode, I'm going to talk about my favorite things of 2020, including my favorite shows, my favorite movies, my favorite books, all my favorite stories. And I'm also going to tell you about my favorite things that I used this year as a writer and as an editor and uh, things that you can think of for Christmas, for your writing loved ones, or um, maybe to buy yourself with some of your Christmas money. All right. Okay, so I've given you your homework. Go forth, start writing your short story. Make sure you add sensory uh, imagery in at least three of the five ways you can do it so that you get that emotion in there and get those three mini plot points going and write the first third of your story because next time we're jumping into the second third and I'm really excited to get the story out to show you what's possible because I know a lot of you feel really discouraged right now and you need this quick win. So we're going to finish up this series before the end of the year and uh, hopefully 2021 will be better and we'll be able to write more and get more amazing stories out in the world. And remember, it is never too late to write the story of your heart. And if you would like to get some cool writerly stuff for free, you can head to literarysymmetry.com forward slash WTPR-F and get your free worksheets for your new amazing novel. And you can also go to literarysymmetry.com slash story filters forward slash story filters to get your free audiobook by me on how to stop doing the one thing that readers hate most. All right. Happy holidays, whichever holiday you're celebrating right now. I know Hanukkah started, so happy Hanukkah to all of my Jewish friends, my Jewish writerly friends, and um, to everyone else, your day's coming. Happy writing. This has been Kristen on the Expensive Words podcast, pouring out my heart for you, my wonderful listener. If there's any question you want to ask me, if there's anything you want to tell me, You can go to expensivewords.com or you can find me on Instagram at kristin.n.spencer. And I would love to hear your wonderful writing thoughts from your amazing writing brain. Happy writing.